Hi, I'm Matt Pacelli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. This week, we're talking with one of our VSGA staff members, Director of Championships and Golf Operations, Josh Coates. With the tournament season opening in the next few weeks, we wanted to have Josh on to share news on the upcoming events and venues and how the schedule comes together. This conversation is co-hosted by me and our manager of media and communications and editor of Virginia Golfer Magazine, Chris Lang. We hope this conversation inspires you to visit VSGA.org and find an event that's right for you and join us on the course in 2021. Without further ado, here's our conversation with Josh Coates. Josh Coates, thank you for taking the time to join us on this episode of Golf in the Commonwealth. For those who don't know, Josh is the Director of Championships and Golf Operations at the VSGA. Josh, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate uh, being on my first podcast experience, uh, being on one, so I'm excited. Josh, as we get ready for the championship season to kick off here in Virginia in a couple of weeks, we wanted to make sure we had you on to kind of give an overview of the schedule and we have our colleague Chris Lang with us as well, who's going to run through a little bit of the schedule with you and an overview of this year's championships and events schedule. Uh, but before we get too far into that, Josh, I wanted to kind of give folks a little bit of background on who you are and what you do. They might see you at a championship or at an event, but tell us a little bit about yourself. How, how did you get into golf? How did you come to the VSGA? Things like that. Well, how I got into golf, uh, just going back when I was probably four or five years old, it's actually one of my, one of my first memories or um, just going back of the first things I can remember as a, as a young guy and hitting golf balls in our backyard. We had a, a pretty big backyard uh, back then and, and just uh, being out there with my dad, um, he's, teaching me how to swing a golf club. And, and as I got, uh, got the hang of it with that, with the driver and, and getting a hold of a couple of shots, hitting them into the neighbor's yard and going and chasing them. And it's actually how I met one of my best friends growing up too. I had no idea uh, that, that he lived there and was in his backyard trying to retrieve some golf balls and, and ended up meeting him and stayed, stayed friends with him for a very long time. But um, yeah, I definitely give credit to my dad and my, my granddad with getting me in, involved with the game. My dad is still an avid golfer, very passionate about it, and he kind of uh, made me stick with it, and I'm glad he did. When I was um, young and going up to my teenage years, I was a baseball player. I played uh, more baseball than any other sport and you know, travel baseball, very you know, competitive. But uh, when I was 16, I uh, gave up baseball and, and switched over to golf and got on the high school team and got yeah, fairly good at, at playing. I uh, did not play in, in college, but uh, still stuck with it and worked in it. Uh, as far as how I, I got involved with the VSGA, I worked at Independence Golf Club as a as a cart guy, and our office was there until uh, 2015. And got to know some of the staff with the VSGA, and some of the independent staff uh, recommended that I take an internship or, or at least apply for the internship that we have, uh, the PJ Boatwright internship, which I did for two summers. And to be honest with you, it was just a, in my mind, a way to pass the summer by and make some money and do something a little bit different other than being a cart guy. 
after the first summer, I realized that um, it was something that was interesting and I wanted to see kind of what else uh, I could do as an intern and, and if it could turn into something. So applied for the internship again the following year and was fortunate enough to, to get it. And uh, that was after my uh, junior year of school. And then after my senior year, there happened to be a full-time position open up on the tournament staff and applied and, and accepted. And, and here I am. So a little bit was luck and just right place at the right time. But uh, here I am. It'll be going on 13 years later in May and, and uh, still enjoying it. And every year is a, is a new challenge and a and new uh, rewards for, for what we all put into it. So um, I'm excited for 2021 as well. What have been some of the maybe highlights or sort of changes that you've seen in in the championship schedule and in, in the work of the tournament department? Well, we have a great team. You know, it's myself, Kent Hullabar, Courtney Hamlet, Amanda Braun, and, and Connor Jones, who those that play in our events, whether it be one day events on up to our most competitive, I'm sure you've come across uh, some or all of those folks, but uh, we got, we've got a great team and we just continue to kind of gauge the, the market, uh, the golfers that are out there playing in our events and just see what, what they, what they like, what they don't like, and just continue to make, you know, small tweaks. You know, we, yeah, there's a lot of history in a lot of our events. So, you know, when there's a lot of history like that, it's hard to make, uh, major changes, but there's always small tweaks that can be made. And I think we've, we've done that and done a pretty good job of it over the last, you know, five, 10 years to, to make our schedule better, to uh, create more offerings for, for every level of golfer and to make the, the overall championship experience a little bit better, which, you know, that's really what it's all about is those that, give up their time and, and resources to play in our events. We want to make it a, a great experience for them to uh, have it be something that they look forward to uh, each year. You know, there are some, some players that we know we're going to see at almost every event every year. And we know them by name, but we also have new faces every year that let's say qualify for the amateur championship or the state open for the very first time. And, you know, those those people are are fun to see because you know, they're just happy to be there. They they know they're not going to win. They just want to you know not embarrass themselves uh, in their words, and they they just love being at the event for the first time or or for the first time in a while. And it's just a good mix of people and and you know that they uh, that we see and and come across to uh, at every level, whether it be those that are just cutthroat. You know, they're there to win, and if they don't win, they're upset to those that are just happy-go-lucky and, and glad to be at the event playing for at least a couple of days. Yeah, and I think that's a, an important thing for us to remember to touch on is is the amount of offerings that your team has created for the golfers across the Commonwealth and the golfers that are members of our association, that there is something for everyone, whether it's you're judging yourself by your handicap level or just the sort of attitude that you take with with you out onto the course, there's something for everyone to be able to participate in. And what are some of the maybe changes that you've seen? Is there anything, and I'm sure there's probably at least a handful, that as you 
kind of look back over 13 years, which isn't to say that you're retiring or anything, but is as you look back over 13 years, you're like, gosh, we don't do that anymore. Remember that? The biggest thing that comes to mind is is instituting qualifiers for a few new events. And that's, you know, that, that achieves a couple of goals. Um, one, it provides access to more golfers at those events that are in high demand. So let's take our four ball championship, for instance. You know, we could only uh, accommodate 120 players or so at the most, just to, as a somewhat comfortable level of getting getting that many players around a golf course for two days. Uh, but we were constantly turning golfers away uh, at that at that level. So we instituted qualifying, and what that has done is we have qualifiers around Virginia, and we've had as many as uh, 200 plus players, you know, competing in those qualifiers and wanting to play in that championship. So it just provides them an opportunity that they may uh, not have otherwise had if we didn't have it. And for those that are fortunate enough to be exempt or qualify for the championship, it, it gets the, the championship proper, that, that total field size down a little bit, just to, again, going back to player experience, pace of play, what we're able to offer, uh, those players that are there, um, and it just gets it down to a more manageable number to where um, it's it's just a really good experience for for those that are there, rather than just really struggling to to get that many golfers around a golf course, whether it be for daylight, weather situations, uh, you name it, uh, things can come up um, on any given day. So that that's the main thing that that sticks out. Just trying to uh, provide. You know, every group of player, more opportunity. And, and also once they're at one of our championships, just to keep modifying that experience and, and what we uh, are able to provide is something that I think uh, has, we've really come a long way in the last uh, 10 years or so. Without getting into the nuts and bolts or the champions of 2020, sort of recap for us, if you can, some of the challenges and successes that you saw in 2020. I know that, you know, we had the three month delay where we then went to June 29th, where we sort of restarted the season after what had been a few junior golf circuit events and then implementing safety procedures and safety protocols. What are some of the successes and highlights of 2020 and what couple of things might we look for to stick with us in 2021? Well, last year was certainly a challenge, you know, starting right about now, you know, we just were kind of looking at each other thinking, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, it was brand new. There was no playbook for this. Uh, we were you, talking with our peers around the country. What are they doing? And, and everybody was just kind of sitting on their hands and, and pushing out the start of their season because we just didn't know really how to handle it. There was nothing that could have prepared us for it. And it just took a, a, a while to get everybody comfortable with getting back out and hosting an organized event. Now, golf never stopped. In, in fact, it kind of went in the opposite direction on a, on a club level or public golf course. You know, they were seeing demand like they had never seen or hadn't seen in a long time. But as far as, you know, the VSGA hosting an event for, you know, 100 plus players, we just needed to make sure that we were comfortable and we had guidelines in place that we're going to keep our staff, the golf course staff, and of course the players safe. Uh, it just took us a while to, to get to that point, which is our, our major challenge. But 
once we started uh, that June 29th date, it, it went from, you know, zero to 60 really, really fast. We had demand like we had never seen, you know, our qualifiers, events, uh, everything was selling out with wait lists. And so as far as a success, you know, they kind of run into each other, you know, all of that work that got us to that comfort level of starting our season and keeping everybody safe uh, turned into a success because we did have a, you know, a successful season. We, we hit our numbers and, and had, had players uh, come out, stay safe. Our staff stayed safe. And that's something we can really hang our hat on um, as much as, you know, having, having a, a full field, just, you know, keeping everybody safe was just really at the forefront of what we wanted to do. And then everything else just kind of took care of itself. You know, I think the players, once they came out and saw what we were doing, it made them more comfortable to maybe want to come back and keep playing. So, you know, we feel really, really good about what we were able to achieve uh, last year, just with a, from a safety and a uh, accommodating the demand standpoint. As you see the schedule come together, because you have Connor and Courtney and Amanda and Kent and yourself all kind of contributing into what makes up the competitions and events schedule for 2021 or for the new season, what what couple of things do you do you look for? Do you keep an eye out for? As far as making the schedule, we for most events we we kind of divide the state up into four regions: Northern Virginia, Richmond, Tidewater, and West. And within a for a given event, we try to rotate that event around the state as as best as we can. Now it's not always attainable, just because it, you know we can't just call a club and say hey, here's an event that we're going to bring, here are the dates we want, and uh, you're going to host it. Um, it's, it's a conversation, and sometimes it can be done in a phone call, and sometimes it takes months to get approved by the golf committee or the, the board at the club, and sometimes we wait for months thinking that it's going to happen, and then it's a, it's a no answer from them, so now we're starting from scratch. So uh, things don't always go to plan, but that's generally what we try to do with, with, uh, with most events, there are some events that are just staples that we keep maybe centrally located. If it's a team event or, um, you know, the state open is one that, that stays in place for, for several years, just because there are so many other variables involved with that tournament. But as a general guideline, we, we try to rotate it around, um, so that if a player for whatever reason can't travel, doesn't want to travel, wants to stay at home or has to, you know, within a, you know, four or five year uh, rotation, it's going to be in their, in their region to where hopefully they can, they can commute and play in that event. So that's, uh, that's our first goal. And then obviously finding sites that want us to be at their club and that we feel will provide the players that are there a good experience uh, for uh, not only the golf course itself, but as they're there, making them feel welcome, you know, whether it be uh, in the golf shop, food and beverage, uh, things like that, that really uh, players do uh, think about and and want that that great experience. You know, we can go to the, the best golf course with the finest conditions. And if and if nobody really feels welcome at that course, then um, it, it may be better to go you know somewhere else to where maybe that the conditions or the layout or or whatever perception that club has isn't isn't comparable or isn't uh, on the same scale. But when players show up, 
and the staff greets them in the in the parking lot, greets them in the golf shop, uh, asks them, "How can I help you? How can I direct you to um, this place or that?" You know, that that goes a long way for both players and staff. So um, I think uh, a lot of players are uh, those um, that are kind of outside of our office don't realize that scheduling is probably the toughest thing that we have to do uh, every year. And this year was made even tougher because you mentioned the, you know, just the, the way that last year went. And, you know, I mentioned the demand for uh, just to play golf. Well, you know, private clubs, their members were playing more golf, so they don't want to take away days from them. And public golf courses were seeing the same demand. So, you know, they, they want to accommodate uh, those that will pay their their rack rate and, and not give up days for for outside events. So this year was was a uh, an even bigger challenge just because uh, some of our typical courses that host one or more events just simply said, "Hey, I you know we we want to host in the future, but this year we just can't do it. We we just can't take away days from from our membership or for those uh, public offers that that um, can fill up a day or fill up their tee sheet." on a given day. So it is a big challenge, but I think we've done a pretty good job this year in, in putting out a, a good schedule that, that uh, those in every demographic can certainly look forward to. Awesome. I know Chris will get to, get to some of those. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back with Josh Coates and Chris Lang. Josh, let's, let's start with the men's championship schedule, which is, uh, which is really good this year. And we're going to start right at the beginning not going to go through every event because I think if we did that, we'd be here for three hours, but uh, hit some of the highlights as some of the players like to tell me that they, they feel like there are four majors uh, as far as the men's uh, championships go. But um, starting at the beginning, the multi-format team championships in its third year, tell us a little bit about this one. It's a fun, different type of event that uh, incorporates a couple of different styles of play. It does. So we've, yeah, this is a third year. And when I checked last, the, the senior uh, division was was full with a wait list, and I think we'll fill up the the open division as well uh, as we have the last couple of years. But um, it, it was an event that that, like you said, has different formats. Well, one being a two person scramble, and the other one being a modified alternate shot. So um, prior to putting this tournament on the schedule, we didn't have you know anything uh, like that. So we're thinking of of what can we do to you know, create a new offering, maybe attract a new audience. Uh, those two formats came to mind. It's just they're, they're fun. And, you know, if you have a, a partner or when you have a partner, you know, that things, you know, players are t- typically more comfortable uh, coming out rather than you know, an individual stroke play championship. You have to hole out every hole and, and put your score up on the scoreboard. Well, if, when you have a partner, you know, everybody can, uh, point the finger at the other one and not take the full blame for whatever score they put up. So players are, are typically more, more comfortable with that. And especially with these, these formats, you know, um, we've seen that, you know, you go through the field and typically even for a four ball championship, which involves partners, you can, you can circle, you know, several teams or sides and say that uh, they're going to be up at the top of the leaderboard uh, with the multi-format. You can, you can certainly circle those same names, but, there are more wild cards or dark horses that, that come up and rise to the top of the leaderboard just because of the nature of those formats. It just kind of levels the playing field for, for everyone. So if, if a side or team gets hot, you know, 
putting in a scramble and just happens to play well during the alternate shot, then they can certainly uh, post a good score and, and be very competitive like we saw last year. And to your point, we had a couple of first-time champions come out of that event last year at Dominion Club. It was really neat to see, and it meant something to them to, to be able to hold the, that trophy and and uh, and beat those fields. So that was really cool to see. That event's going to be April 12th and 13th at Spring Creek Golf Club up in Zion Crossroads, a great venue, uh, good host of VSGA events uh, in the past, including the amateur and the captain's putter. So it'll be really cool to be back up there. Um, going on to some of the we what they call what like to call the majors, the uh, the 56 VSGA four ball championship will be May 14th and 15th at Hermitage Country Club and Mannequin Sabbath on the Mannequin course, which is that was the one that was recently redone. Correct, Josh? Correct. Yeah, the golf course was renovated. So it'll be our first time hosting a, a championship on the renovated course. And uh, we're excited to to be back at, at Hermitage for an event. They're always a great host and, and look forward to to that championship and we think it'll attract a, a, a big uh, field for qualifiers and a very competitive event uh, for the championship. So certainly one that, that I think a lot of players are looking forward to. And that's a fun event too, just because generally if you want to see low scores, you're going to see it there. Guys are, are dialed in, they're going after it. I mean, it's a four ball. There's no point in just trying to hang around par. You, you know, you have to shoot really well. So uh, that'll be a fun one to see this year. Um, and on to the amateur championship, uh, which is back at its usual spot in the schedule at the end of June, uh, visiting Country Club of Petersburg this year, uh, coinciding with the 100th anniversary of that of that venue there. Um, also, unbelievable sweet tea in the uh, in the restaurant there. Just just a shout out to uh, to that at Petersburg. But uh, uh, a lot of players have been down there in recent years to try to qualify for the USGA uh, US Amateur Four Ball Championship. Um, what kind of things do you think? Uh, We'll, we'll expect to see down at Petersburg. What kind of uh, test and venue is it? Well, it's a great venue, and you you touched on the sweet tea, which I couldn't agree on uh, with more. They've hosted every event that we've asked them to. They've been a, an awesome, uh, really, partner with us. Uh, Kenny Clark, the, the golf professional there, um, he's a good friend of the VSGAs and has done a lot uh, for us in hosting. So we are excited to really take what we think of as our kind of crown jewel on the men's side our amateur championship, a full field of amateurs playing um, against each other, uh, the best you know amateur field that, that we're going to have, and taking it to Country Club Petersburg, it's it's really exciting. We we think that you know the golf course will will certainly uh, hold its own as far as uh, you know stroke play qualifying. We're going to get the the best thirty two players that week, and then in match play, it'll be like uh, a lot of courses. You can really do some different things. In, in a match play event or field uh, than you would during stroke play. You can you can have a little bit more fun with it, whether it be using a, a hole location that's extremely difficult or making a hole drivable or doing some, some different things with the par three that just gives those players a different perspective and, and also, you know, keeps things moving. So one of the one of the things that we try to avoid is is doing something during a big stroke play event that's really going to, let's say, back up pace of play or really cause um, huge issues with, with scoring. But in match play, that, that uh, in, in many ways kind of goes out the window. You can, uh, it's a smaller field. You know, we'll have just 32 players playing, so don't really have to worry about pace of play too much. And then um, if a hole plays really easy or, or really, really challenging, it's just one hole. It's just a match with two players, so we can kind of take a little bit more risk and and have more fun with, with setting up the golf course. So it's really 
something I'm looking forward to with this venue because I've uh, I have not uh, administered a, a match play event, so looking forward to that different uh, perspective from from a staffing standpoint as well. When you touched on, upon it with Matt, the qualifying aspect of this event as well, and you know, I'd encourage players that that to, to remember that uh, as recently as 2018, someone came out of a qualifier and won the amateur championship in Trey Smith. So um, it certainly is not just the the top top players in the state. I mean, match play is a is a wild thing. You can get a you can get hot. You can get a, an interesting bracket, and um, so so all of those players that are competing in those twelve uh, qualifiers certainly uh, have a chance to to move on and, and play well at Petersburg. You touched on just the getting into match play. So if you ask the, those that have played in this event in years past, it they really classified as two separate tournaments. So there's a stroke play portion, and getting the top twenty or uh, excuse me thirty two is is their goal, whether they're medalist or thirty second. Uh, or anywhere in between. They just want to get in the match play field. And then uh, once that is set, it's a brand new tournament and really all bets are off as far as, you know, who can win. Like if somebody gets hot, you know, we, we go from 32 to a champion in, in uh, three days. Uh, it's a lot of golf, so anything can happen. And if you get hot on those three days, you can certainly uh, take it all the way. So that's just one of the fun things about our match play events. The State Open of Virginia, which will be held July 16th through 18th, uh, moving to Independence Golf Club in Midlothian. It's the uh, first time in seven years it'll be back at Independence after a long run there when uh, we really enjoyed the time at Ballyhack, but uh, certainly looking forward to some exciting new things at Independence. Um, you know, what, what can you remember about some of the State Opens that, that you worked at Independence and uh, and what, what can players look forward to this year? Well, this is another golf course that we're visiting that, it has been totally renovated since the last time we've had a, a big event um, at Independence. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to personally just the, the course setup aspect of it. And that, that'll be the, a big change for the players that, that played uh, the last time it was at Independence and switching from um, that golf course to Valley Hack to coming back to Independence on the on the renovated course will be a big change. And the, the really the, the biggest change is, in my opinion, is going to be those Bermuda greens. So they switch grasses from a bent grass to Bermuda grass. And in July, that it's going to make a huge difference, I think, in, in how the golf course plays, you know, from a, a superintendent standpoint or, or the person maintaining those, those putting greens, you know, the, the state open in, in mid July is kind of the worst nightmare on, on a bent grass uh, facility and the opposite is true on uh, Bermuda grass. So yeah, that's when that grass thrives. So those putting greens won't have to be as soft, you know, just to keep them alive on a, on a bent grass course and they can be firm, they can be fast and uh, really without too much concern about any long-term damage from that amount of traffic and, and pushing them that, that hard. So I think just the firmness and the speed of the greens is going to really be a big, challenge uh, from years past and also um, there's a lot of players that just really don't putt or don't play on Bermuda uh, greens very often or, or at all so it'll be a, a different experience there and um, aside from the greens you know the, the renovations that they've done there switching uh, even turf types on the fairways and many of the, the roughs uh, the conditions are outstanding and we are really looking forward to bringing this event back to independence and back in the the heart of the state, which um, will probably attract a few more players and qualifiers and those that are able to make it. So um, it's a it's a good change, and 
We loved our time at Valley Hack. Can't thank them enough for all that they did. It was an, an awesome venue to uh, to have been a part of, and I think the players will agree, but I'm also just as excited about uh, coming back to Independence. So it should be should be something really, really uh, special with uh, some of the things that are in the works, and hopefully it'll be uh, well-received by, by those that compete uh, during that week. Would like to note too that the state open in Virginia is, is jointly conducted by the VSGA and the middle Atlantic PGA. So it's a, it's a fun event to get a chance to see our amateurs go up against the, the best, uh, you know, teaching and playing professionals in the state. So it's, it's a, it's a really kind of a unique uh, event for, uh, for our schedule here. And then if you go down to the, uh, to September, we'll have the 45th VSGA mid amateur championship moving this year to Fawn Lake Country Club in Spotsylvania, September 17th through 19th. It's kind of considered the working man's championship, as they like to call it, uh, players ages 25 and over. So it takes the college kids and the high school kids out of the mix. Um, Three-day stroke play event. Uh, how fun is this event just to, to kind of see these guys go up against uh, kind of their peers? Because, you know, you know, you know the mid-ams, the, the working man uh, types, you can't get out there and practice and play seven days a week. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a different vibe. It is a different vibe, and – there are certainly there's a pool of players that in in every event, but probably uh, as much or more so in this event that are there to win. They they want to win or they expect to finish in the top ten. Um, however, we have a another group of players that just they sign up because it's at a great venue. It, they know that they're not going to have to compete against college or high school players, and and they treat it as kind of a uh, a guys weekend or, or just a, a getaway, and they're just they're happy to be there. They if they play well. That's great. If they don't, then then they're not too concerned. But it, it's a good mix of of those that are there for just the enjoyment of the tournament and the golf course, and also you know bringing the best mid-ams around Virginia together and you know, having them uh, fight it out on the golf course. It's it's always an exciting finish, and uh, the champion is is certainly worthy and uh, has has shown that they deserve it over three days. And it's just a, like I said, a, a good mix of, of, you know, high level competition and, and just a, a fun, enjoyable event for players and for our staff and the golf course staff as well. So it's, it's always one that we look forward to. All right. Before we move on to uh, some of the key women's events, just wanted to, uh, to shout out some of our senior events on the schedule this year. Our senior amateur will be at the I wouldn't say renovated, re reimagined Birdwood Golf at Boar's Head Resort, the new Davis Love design that opened last year. That that's going to be a really fun venue. We're happy to have the Senior Stroke Play Championship back, uh, which unfortunately was not able to be held last year due to the pandemic. We'll be down at Two Rivers Country Club in Williamsburg for that in the middle of June. So a couple of really fun events in our Super Senior Championship, the Amateur uh, Super Senior Amateur Championship, October fourth through six, up at Spotswood in Harrisonburg. Um, just moving on to the kind of the really the crown jewel of our women's events, which is the the VSGA Women's Amateur Championship. This year will be held July 5th through 7th, Evergreen Country Club up in Haymarket. And kind of one of the key things about this event this year, Josh, was was getting it away from a really big time competitive event down at Pinehurst, the uh, North and South uh, Women's Amateur Championship. So how big was that that date change to possibly keep some of the, the really good talent here playing in this event at home? Well, it is big. And I mentioned earlier about scheduling. So, you know, we have our own challenges of just trying to get our events at our, our clubs here in Virginia, but we also have to work around other schedules uh, from our, our neighbors, other golf associations or neighboring um, 
regional events or, you know, just our national events, USGA events. So we have to, we have a list of things that we consider when, when scheduling a, a given championship uh, on a, at a week or even geographically as well. So um, sometimes we're, we're able to uh, avoid it and others not, but we're happy that this year we, we were. And like you said, it, it should uh, keep the best players in Virginia here for that week and playing in, in our uh, women's amateur championship. And um, instead of making them have to choose between do I want to play in, in the VSJ women's amateur championship or go elsewhere for, for another event. So uh, we're happy to, to have avoided uh, most conflicts and we think it'll be a great field and, and a great test up at, up at Evergreen. Another uh, huge supporter of the VSGA and we're happy to, to be able to bring this event uh, to that, that country club. No doubt. We've had the junior girls there recently. We've had the women's state team matches there recently. Speaking of that, that's, that's really a unique event uh, on, on the schedule for the women and something that they really get into. Um, Fredericksburg Country Club will host that this year, August 31st through September 2nd, be the 75th anniversary of it. Uh, and uh, you know what, what makes that event so much fun? Well, it has a very unique format, and I, I may just want to stop myself there because if I try to get into it, I might confuse myself or, or for our listeners too. But it's a, it's a mix of four ball and a, a team event representing their club and also match play. So all of those things coming together – uh, makes it one of our our biggest, or usually it is our our biggest uh, event as far as participants, and and those that are there, they are into it. It's flighted, so you know you have your own pod of of uh, of players that are competing on the same level. So it's it's always competitive from the championship flight on down to uh, whatever other fights we are able to accommodate. So it, it's uh, it's something that that I know that the uh, the the ladies that I play in it always look forward to it's uh, for some of them it's the one that they circle and they wouldn't miss it for anything um, even more so than some of our other events it's just uh, it's something that uh, like I said they they look forward to uh, they get to see lots of their peers uh, from around uh, Virginia that they may not otherwise see uh, at any other time so it's a, it's a fun event. It's a going back to the team aspect. People love playing on teams or in four ball sides. So you, you mix all that together and it's, it's uh, one of our most successful events, uh, not only on the women's schedule, but on our entire championship and event schedule. So um, I know Fredericksburg country club will, will be a great host. And it's, it's cool to see that the, the, uh, the uniform matching too out there, they, they, they seem to really get into that. It's uh it's it's a cool little event. I I enjoy going out to it. And on the junior side this year, some some big championships. Uh, junior match play was another one that was unfortunately uh, canceled last year, but it's back at Winchester Country Club June twenty second through the twenty fifth. And then we've got the two kind of the crown jewels for the for the uh, junior girls and the junior boys. The junior girls will be uh, July nineteenth through twentieth at Fauquier Springs Country Club in Warrington. We haven't been there for a while, have we, Josh? We haven't. Excited to be back. We've We've hosted uh, several events there, qualifiers, uh, junior events, one-day events. But uh, to be able to bring another championship to Falkier Springs is exciting. And uh, we look forward to kind of getting back in the fold and, and bringing events there and starting with our junior girls championship, which uh, if you look at some of the the champions from that event in the last uh, several years, uh, they, they usually go on to, to do good things, whether it be in college golf or on the at the next level. So um, it, it's always a, a fun event and uh, look forward to 
um, seeing kind of what, what the turnout is there. And we think it'll be, be good up in the Northern Virginia region, but um, it's another one, like you said, it's, it's a, uh, it's one that uh, a lot of uh, junior girls and families circle and, and look forward to coming back to every year. And certainly to your point, the two that were in the playoff last year, uh, Daniel Sutton, Victoria Tabosha are both playing college golf right now at the division one level. So high level of talent that plays in that event. And then our junior stroke play championship, uh, for the boys, July 27th through the 29th, down at Roanoke Country Club, which hosted our women's amateur last year, be on the Redbud Redbud and the Dogwood Nines. Um, that's a that's a great old venue, one of the one of the most uh, historic venues in the state of Virginia, uh, one that hosts the Scott Robertson Memorial every year. So there is a certain uh, affinity for junior golf that Roanoke Country Club has. Uh, what kind of expectations do you have at that event? Well, we're we're happy to bring this championship back out west and hopefully bring in another group of young golfers into the fold that that may have otherwise not been able to travel across the state or northern virginia down or tidewater to to play so uh, we think it'll be a good mix of of having some local talent come out and compete in that event and also you mentioned the scott robertson so rona country club is is known in junior golf as a a great venue for a junior tournament so uh, we don't think they'll There'll be any any uh, lack of demand for those that want to travel from other areas of the state to Roanoke just because of that fact. The, the venue, the prestige that it, that it has in hosting uh, such a great junior event in the Scott Robertson, uh, we're just really happy to to be able to bring our our junior stroke play championship out there and showcase uh, the golf course to uh, all of our juniors that will be competing. And it's just a, a great venue uh, to to host any event. It's uh, it's a golf course that's right there out in front of you. You can make it tough, and you can also you know, have some fun with it. So I think for for those juniors that, that compete, they will have a great experience at a, at a great club and uh, be able to look forward to playing our jun- junior stroke play championship and on the same golf course that Scott Robertson is hosted on. And if you look at going back to the list of champions and both the Scott Robertson and our junior stroke play, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. So to be able to kind of uh, merge those two for this year, um, I'm really excited. Well, and the depth of junior golf in, in Virginia is, is really astounding right now. So I would encourage anybody that uh, is in the area to come out and, and check it out for a couple of days. Cause you're going to see some really, really good play um, at, at that event. Um, and, and, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the uh, the Net Amateur Championship, which is something that, that we started last year. Tell tell us a little bit about that event, and that's that gives more access to to players at all levels of, of of golf. Sure. So this is the second year, and something that we've been talking about for several years, and and introducing a championship that is that is really open to everyone and anyone for with any different. Uh, range of skill levels can win uh, because it, it's all net. It's all based on on handicap or playing a handicap, and uh, it's something that we we hadn't offered. We have our one day event uh, schedule that is very successful. Um, it, it's you know some players are are there to to try to win, but uh, most of them are there to enjoy a good golf course. It's much more casual than than what we uh, can expect the net am to evolve into. So. Uh, what we want is the, uh, the high level of competition on the net level, and and we want to run it like we would any other championship. So uh, for for those that that may be uh, of high handicap 
um, or playing handicap, they, they can come out and expect the same experience that they would have at, at our amateur championship or some of our other uh, high-level uh, championships that, that we do as far as golf course setup and just overall player experience. We really want it to be something that, that every golfer can expect to uh, have fun and also compete and also provide them with uh, as good a tournament experience as we can. And we think that this could be something that evolves uh, over the next several years and with increased demand. Uh, and we're, we're excited about not only where we are with it in, our, in the second year, but also you know, what it could become in the next five, 10 years. I was just going to say, I think it's exciting for folks to show up on the first tee for a, an event like the Net Amateur Championship and to see the VSGA banners and the VSGA tent on the first tee and tee markers and um, flags on the flag sticks and to really get that full experience. It's exciting to be able to take that beyond just the high level of competition that we typically experience on some of the other amateur events, but to be able to roll that experience out for the every golfer of the, of the Commonwealth is really cool. And you talk about the venue too. It's Williamsburg Golf Club this year, September 20th through 21st. It's an outstanding venue, hosted the, our mid-amateur championship just a couple of years ago. So that's going to be a real treat for those players. All right. Well, Josh, we really appreciate your time here on this. Uh, that I, The schedule is going to be awesome. Uh, congratulations to your staff and everybody on the uh, competitions department for, for putting it together. And we look forward to seeing how everything unfolds this year. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate uh, having me on and, and talking through and uh, I look forward to uh, what the season might bring us. I think it's going to be a, I hope it's going to be a continuation of last year as far as uh, the demand goes and we will, we will keep doing everything we can to make all of our players, staff, volunteers, host club staff as, as comfortable and, and as safe as possible with uh, uh, the ongoing challenges that, uh, that COVID are, are still uh, bringing, but hopefully uh, things are, We'll be on the uptrend, and we can uh, get through this. But um, at any rate, we will we will have a, a safe and, and fun uh, tournament season. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, having some nice weather and getting back out on the golf course here very soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth, and big thanks to Josh Coates. I hope you'll take a second and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening, and please rate us and leave a review. You'll need an active handicap index to play in VSGA events, so remember to visit your VSGA member club to renew your VSGA membership for 2021, or visit vsga.org and renew online. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the fairway soon.